and welcome to episode number 74 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast. We're recording on June the 28th, 2020. My name's Eric, the host of the show, based in Southern Ontario, hunter, target shooter, ham radio operator, and computer geek. As a first responder, I witnessed an over-reliance on emergency services during major events and started a small preparedness company to help people get better prepared for at least 72 hours, if not longer. My name is Ian, and I live on Vancouver Island. I'm an outdoor enthusiast, sports shooter, and my farm's designated handyman. I'm Alan. I'm a safety trainer, first responder, security expert, overall safety nerd, and as I learned this week, absolute addict to my telephone. And I'm Hughes from Nova Scotia. I'm a Canadian Armed Forces veteran, volunteer firefighter, and current station chief. I'm also a volunteer search and rescue technician and prepper. Um, I've been preaching and living the prepper lifestyle to varying degrees for the last six years or so, and this was born out of the necessity to ensure the short-term and long-term survival of my family, which includes three young children. My name is Andrew. I'm a recovering libertarian, a firearms instructor at Ragnarok Tactical, and I host Canadian Patriot Podcast, the original CPP. <laughs> Versus the and, copycat. Yeah. Uh, I'm Gavin, and uh, all-around swell guy, uh, according to Ian, but also a volunteer first responder, a firearms instructor under Andrew at Ragnarok, a first aid instructor, and, you know, international man of mystery. And that's what I appreciate about you. If you want to help support the show and keep the Canadian Prepper Podcast on the air, please buy a Canadian Prepper Podcast t-shirt at www.rapidsurvival.com. All proceeds help to keep the lights on, the backup generator fueled. All right, if you're enjoying the show, please take a few minutes to like us on Facebook and submit a review on iTunes. Also, we want your feedback, good or bad, or if there's just a topic you want us to cover. You can email us at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. And people are actually emailing in now. It's great. Um, so we've got some uh, level four content for you in this episode. Uh, we're going to start off with some preparedness-related news articles. Next, we'll let you know what we've done for our preparedness since last episode. Then we're going to get into the main topic, uh, body armor and its uses in preparedness. So we'll move into some news first. Topically, um, Minneapolis City Council votes 12 to, 12 to 0, so unanimous vote in favor of abolishing their police department. Uh, there are a few more steps left to actually getting rid of it, but their intent is to replace the police with social workers and other support services to divert non-criminal interactions away from people with handcuffs and guns. Um, as an editorial, I see value in the system if it's done right. I don't have enough faith in most governments to do it correctly. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that works out. I wish yeah. luck. For the mental health stuff, I could see it going a lot yeah. better. But what about like when someone breaks into your house to steal stuff? Yeah. Well, Just the curious. social worker asks them how they feel about that. Uh, okay. Oh, and they'll hand out teddy bears. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, that's all. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So we've, we've, we figured that out. It's going gonna, it's gonna to yeah. work out perfectly. Problem yeah. solved. Yeah. Excellent. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah. So I were here. Uh, so for myself, a uh, massive storm currently in Manitoba. So I guess it's uh, centered around Rapid City, Manitoba, but it's a thunderstorm well over 60,000 feet high, currently spawning tornadoes, So, um, which also it relates to why Tyler isn't here tonight. He's currently under a tornado warning as well, so he's actually riding this one out in his shelter. So, um, yeah, severe weather in the Midwest right now. Because that part of the world hasn't been destroyed enough. That's right. Can we, we have see some future tornadoes? Is that, is that level 7 of Jumanji? We're in digital, we're going to come close to July. Well, yeah. Only if it spins across the whole country. Yeah. All right, so for myself, I've got a, a news article here in regards to uh, an amateur radio uh, operator's call for help. Uh, it gets relayed across the Atlantic. So uh, long story short of it, uh, a male in New York suffers a medical emergency 
Uh, his DMR radio is actually closer to him than his phone is. Puts a call out. It gets picked up in Scotland. Uh, the Scotland op- operator uh, puts out a request for assistance from anybody in the USA that can hear him. Uh, an operator in Delaware actually picks up the call from Scotland and gets uh, authorities routed to the original caller in New York. Kind of a, a neat example as to how a ham radio can possibly help you out in a medical emergency. That's and awesome. Just, shot, just a tick longer than uh, sending up a flare. Yep. And for myself here on Canada's East Coast, uh, so we have something starting, I believe, on July 3rd called the Atlantic Bubble. So um, out of the four Atlantic provinces, which are Newfoundland and Labrador, Prince Edward Island, New Brunswick, and Nova Scotia, um, there hasn't been a new case in five days in New Brunswick and like something like two or three weeks in the other provinces. So we're opening up a bubble. Um, it's going to be closed off to the rest of the country for now in the United States as well, but uh, it's going to allow for interprovincial travel, which is really good news for us, seeing as a lot of the um, the U.S. states are seeing a huge increase in cases um, and and cases remain steady across other provinces in Canada. No new ones here for at least five days and in my home province of Nova Scotia we're on like 19 days now with no new cases. So that's some good news on the COVID front. Awesome. Let's uh, move into what we've done lately for preps. Uh, so I guess that's me again. So um, I purchased a uh, travel trailer a couple weeks ago. Uh, we've already got some uh, dry camping in the driveway, and we have our first official trip under our belt. Uh, but I've outfitted it. Um, I replaced a 12-volt uh, deep cycle battery that came with it with a battery bank of four 6-volt uh, uh, golf cart batteries um, wired in series and parallel. I added 960 watts of solar uh, and a Renogy inverter charge controller. Um, so I'm slowly transforming it from a campground queen to an off-grid ready bug out trailer um, so there's still quite a few things to do I'm looking to replace the toilet with a composting toilet I'm looking to get a water pump installed so I can get water into the system uh, with a reverse osmosis uh, filter system so that's going to really turn it into something that um, going from being able to live a few days off the trailer to uh, a few weeks or potentially longer so uh, that's what I've been up to awesome. does, wire, does wiring it in series and parallel allow you to like have like 12 volt systems in I guess 24 then so in series and parallel gives me 12 volt, um, but the way I'm, because there's six volt bad batteries, I have to wire them in parallel and then wire those two parallels into series to give me 12 volts. Okay. Yeah. But the, the amp hours is something around like 500 amp uh, hours. So it's, it's quite high. Cool. Very nice. Right, so for myself, uh, I signed up for the advanced ham license course. Um, so the radio amateurs of Canada is putting on their online courses again. Um, they're still working out scheduling for the basic course, uh, but they have scheduled the advanced course again. So uh, I start July the 6th, and it runs 10 Mondays for two hours, and then hopefully at the end of it, I will be confident enough to write the exam and uh, get my advanced license, which uh, lets me do a few other fun things. And the backyard project continues. Uh, weather has not been overly uh, in our favor. Uh, rain and filling in a pond doesn't work overly well because the pond just keeps filling up. So uh, I've been uh, learning how to run the hose and pump all the water out. So that's been good. Um, and just been yeah, doing that. Uh, pl- started to plan out a uh, rainwater collection system. Because right now we've just got a big giant thing at the, the end of our uh, downspout that uh, collects water and then it ends up overflowing and so I want to get a little bit more of a, a better system going. So I've started to plan something out there. And I uh, rerouted the sump pump because it was draining into the pond in the back. And that was obviously not helping things either with that little project. So I'm going to come up with a way to, to maybe put that into our uh, rainwater collection system as well. Then we can 
water the garden and the, the grass and such with it. And uh, that's my list for the week. You're like two thirds of a firefighter now. You're, you're, I know, right? I, I felt uh, I, I was feeling pretty good there for uh, for running the hoses. I think I did well. Just gotta, Next step, just I just need the outfit. I need a helmet. <laughs> you need a helmet. And you need to learn how yeah. to breathe and uh, breathe in a plastic bag. Yes. And then after that, I think you have to start putting out a calendar. I think that's how yeah. that works. Yes. Well, yes. And- I forgot to mention that part of my planning. The calendar's coming. While you're carrying the hoses, you gotta have somebody yelling at you too to move faster or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And your and your truck has to be really, really shiny. Ooh, wax on, wax off. Yes. Yeah. Next week, next week. I can't do it all in one week. That's right. So for myself, uh, I forgot. To... Oh, sorry. What was that at all? Oh, I said that's why you're not yet a firefighter. Yep. There you go. I'll get there. So for myself, I uh, forgot to mention last week, actually, I tried to take part in my first ham radio net, like the net, uh, basically a, a live meeting of all the uh, ham radio operators in the area via repeater. Didn't work so well because uh, my antennas were not sufficient. So I contacted the good folks at Rapid Survival and uh, have some new antennas on the way. Look at that. Yeah, just like that. So it was a good way to test the gear, though, to see how it works and what kind of range I can get out of it because there's a repeater on a local mountain, but it's just kind of shaded by a bigger mountain, it seems. And... Um, you know, trying to build that community with like-minded people around here, so that uh, that worked out well. I'd, actually, I end up using the um, the app that's available on your smartphone called Echolink, and it uh, that was no problem, of course. But uh, but a good way to test the radios. Uh, other than that, been working pretty much the whole time. Uh, lunch with a traveling prepper in Calgary, and other than that just the house pimping continues. Yeah, the, the ham radio nets are a great way to meet uh, local hams and and hams all over the place. But um, if you do them on like the two meter. Uh, band, you you get a lot of the guys that are local, and you get chatting with them and get to know them. Yeah, as luck would have it, it actually happens just after Canadian Patriot podcast records, and then I can just hop on that. So, well, perfect. That's me, and I'm on mute. Um, it's been a heck of a week at work with in between work and family stuff, so I didn't get a ton done, but I did get a whole bunch of fancy new uh, shelving for the garage in the basement. That's uh, some expanded mesh, heavy-grade chrome industrial stuff, um, and then lots of work in the backyard to keep keeping the garden happy. Um, had the good fortune of hosting Ian, uh, Gavin, and Benny from the other CPP. Uh, what was that, two weeks ago, guys? It was uh, yeah. It was great of sitting back and relaxing and uh, eating a lot of meat. Uh, it's a quick visit though. Uh, I'm gonna go meet up with Eric later this week, get some supplies. It's gonna be a good, that's gonna be a good time. Um, dropped my phone off the back of a truck uh, at about 90 kilometers an hour. I put it down to do something, left it there and then drove away. Uh, found my phone, which was great because I had my driver's license in the back pocket. Um, but the screen, of course, was, is totaled. Um, didn't realize how much I use it until I couldn't. It's uh, I've been a little itchy not being able to scroll mindlessly. So that's been my week. It's amazing what you can get done when you don't have your phone to look at, though. Absolutely nothing. My entire <laughs> life is on my phone. But how do you go to the bathroom? Yeah. Oh, good point. I, I, yes. I, I have paper books. I, I just realized, like, I, I remembered that I have so many paper books, but most That's of my... That's not what those are for. <laughs> but I mean, I have I have thousands upon thousands of books at my fingertips in a well-organized indexed Google Drive that I read on my phone. I, I have like 10 paper books. And less now because of the whole Corona's thing. Yeah, oh no, yeah, I used to have 20 paper books and then there was a pandemic. Now I have 10. <laughs> oh boy. For uh for me, I just walked in the uh in the door. I spent the weekend at Titan Tactical 
doing their intermediate carbine and intermediate pistol courses. So I've been on the range, baking in the sun and being rained on and generally having a great time shooting guns. Sounds uh, just terrible. That's just yeah. phenomenal. My, my, <laughs> my weekend would be very similar to Andrew's because I was at the exact same course for the weekend. So we're twinsies. Okay, and just sounds absolutely terrible. Yeah, it's... Yeah. I mean, the company could have been better, but the shooting was pretty good. Yeah, I'll second that. Awesome. Well, we will move into the main topic of the show then with that. Awesome. Let's, so let's uh, talk body armor. Yeah. So Andrew and Gavin, so can you guys give us a bit of background for listeners and uh, your experience using body armor and, um, you know, how you how we brought you on as the subject matter experts? That's a scary thought. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We're the experts. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty uh, sad, isn't it? <laughs> no, I mean, this is a thing that, that Gavin and I deal with. So we, we own a, a company, Ragnarok Tactical, where we, we sell body armor, and we also are users of body armor. So very briefly, I was in the military, and they gave me the standard Canadian Forces flak jacket. And at one point, I was issued plates, and then they were immediately taken away from me and given them to someone who could find a better home for them. That is the entire extent of my professional use of body armor is carrying it around because the army told me to for some time. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, that's kind of what everyone in the military does with their body armor. They carry it around because they've been told to. Well, I mean, also some people actually need it, though. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. it wasn't in my understanding that a flak jacket is not technically a bulletproof vest. It'll stop shrapnel, but not, I'm like, yes. not like, well, yeah, exactly. Okay. Where we start to get into the. So what constitutes or doesn't yeah. constitute armor is um, a quagmire wrapped in an enigma in Inside strange government language. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there are different sorts of protection and reasons for those protections. So depending on what you're doing and who you're doing it with, you may or may not be given some sort of protective equipment to do your job. Um, a lot of places will issue out some sort of soft armor. So if you're police, law enforcement, bylaw, something like that, a lot of a lot of people who carry a firearm for a living or work for some sort of an agency where they wear a uniform and interact with the public will be issued some sort of soft armor carrier vest thing, either inside or over top of their shirt. Um, yeah. It just depends on what their agency does. There are also flak jackets, like the the Vietnam-style flak jacket that the Canadian Forces still issued up until I, you know, 2010, I think. They might still yeah. issue the damn things. <laughs> Probably. Uh, which they don't really stop anything beyond shrapnel and low-velocity, uh, like ricochets and low-velocity shrapnel. Things that are not bullets, things that are not going fast. Because really, that's, that's what the point of body armor is, is there's... There's two things that matter. There's the ability to not cut or slash or stab through something, and there's, there's the ability to stop a high-velocity projectile from traveling through something. Yeah. I I guess it's worth touching on the stab-proof slash-proof stuff. So this is like chainmail armor would be slash-proof-ish. Yeah. There's also shirts and other materials that they make that are stab-resistant or puncture-proof or... Otherwise, yeah, sometimes, I mean, in, in terms of like soft armor and stuff, like it may be, I don't like using the word bulletproof, but bulletproof, but not necessarily slash and or stab proof because of the types of materials that they are using. So like that sort of old school soft body armor, which is like just like a Kevlar layers 
on top of one another is not very good when it comes to some of that stab and, and slash proof stuff because it'll slice through those layers because it works in a different way than like a hard plate. Well, I recall as an MP, I was issued, I believe it was level 3A um, soft body armor. And I remember going through the training and they were showing us, um, they didn't actually shoot in front of us, but, you know, I think it'll stop up to a 357 or something or maybe a 44, I'm not sure. But they were showing us that, you know, a, sh a, sh um, a sharp object like a knife or something like that will actually yeah. go through the vest. So they were like, you know, this is not a knife proof vest. A knife will stop yeah. through the vest. It'll stop, you know, small handgun ammunition. And believe it or not, there's a lot of people in my course, even as, you know, MPs, which shouldn't sort of surprise anyone, um, that actually didn't know that, you know, this wouldn't stop a 5.56 or a 7.62 or any yeah. rifle, for that matter. Any high velocity rifle round is not going to get stopped by, you know, soft shell. Yeah. Fire. Yeah. But, I mean, that, that soft armor, like I said, is literally just very thin layers of plastic, like, you know, shopping bag, thick plastic, just like hundreds of those layers. And yeah, so like, you know, it may stop some very dull knives, but like a very sharp knife will easily penetrate through those thin layers sort of one at a time. It might slow it down and, you know, decrease the depth of whatnot. So it's not like a terrible idea to have it, even if it's not going to work totally. But yeah, when a bullet hits that, it's sort of the tensile strength of the fabric that slows the projectile down more so than anything else. But yeah, the, the stabbing thing just goes right through that. Good twenty so that, years ago, when I was a Renekop, we were we were um, hard plate stab armor, which, as I recall, was um, quarter inch plates of Lexan in a little pouch and an external vest. Um, yeah, it was horribly hot, really uncomfortable. You couldn't bend over, um, but it did save my life once against a uh, against a needle stick with a, a known diseased person. So I really can't complain. It was fairly cheap, so it wasn't such a big deal. If yeah, and that's yeah, a lot of people that are issued. 3A soft armor like to put a supplemental stab plate in it, which is, yeah, usually some sort of thin piece of metal or, or plastic. So where, so what, so there are, we're talking about a, a level 3A. What are the, what are the different levels and what would be a decision-making process and what I would, uh, how I would choose that? Choose well, the level as in all things, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> there are, there are two standards that, matter, and there are several other standards that are worth referencing or looking into. So the, the American National Institute of Justice has 0101.04 and .06 as the standards to which you will commonly see American-made or North American-destined body armor rated in is NIJ 0101.04 or .06, and they're different testing methodologies but they are effectively interchangeable rating. So it's just a different type of testing. This is performed in a certified laboratory. It has to be done in the United States. There's no labs outside of the U.S. that can test an IJ. Uh, and it's done to a specific standard that the National Institute for Justice has developed over, I think, a 30-year period. Uh, there are effectively four, but also six levels of armor. <laughs> Yeah, one, two, three, and four. They're they're very conveniently numbered. One, two, three, and four. But there's also two A and three A, and also three plus, which is not the same as three A, but is not actually an NIJ rating, but also kind of is. Yeah. Three plus is a whole thing. Yeah, well, yes. Government regulation. 
Yeah, it sounds like government so, got involved. <laughs> uh, level one will stop 22s, and that's basically it. Also, 380, but basically, level one will stop 22s. Don't buy level one. Uh, level 2A, uh, 9mm and 40 cal. Level 2, 9mm, 40 cal, 357 Magnum. Uh, 3A is the end of the pistol rounds. That's your 44 mag stopper. Yeah. I mean, uh, if you're going to be wearing any sort of soft armor, yeah, don't bother with 1 and 2. Just get 3A. Like the, just the, get 3A. Because the weight difference isn't going to be huge. And the so, other thing to bear in mind with this is that they, they stack. So anything that 3A stops also includes anything in two or, or one. Yeah. So if you're, if you're going to get soft armor, you're getting one, two, or three. Well, one, two, or three A. Yeah. Just get the three A because it's going to stop everything up to 44 Magnum. Uh, and there are, there are standards about this, the velocity and weight of the ammunition and the distance that it's tested at and the number of shots um, before it penetrates. Yeah. And generally it's four, but sometimes it's not four because regulations. Yeah, 3A also stops to, slugs, too, if I recall. Not that that uh, would yeah, not still Shotgun suck. slugs. It's still super yeah. suck, but... Yeah. Uh, then you get into hard armor. Hard armor is 3, 3 plus, and 4. 3 plus is also kind of not an NIJ standard, but it kind of is. It's a weird, like, intermediary... It was developed, introduced after some technology changed about 10 years or so ago, and they... The NIJ system hasn't really been updated to reflect that, but there's effectively an additional testing protocol that can be run to certify something as 3A, which also is probably worth mentioning certification versus um, compliance, which we should talk about after. So three level three plates will stop 7.62 full metal jacketed regular like 7.62 NATO, like 308 Winchester type ammunition. Um, again, specific caliber, weight, velocity, distance, number of rounds, in this case it's six, and and max and all of the, the things that are uh, performance standards have to do with the amount of degradation that a a panel, a piece of body armor receives during the, the testing. So it's only allowed to deform so much. So it's not whether or not a bullet necessarily passes through the armor. Obviously passing through would be a fail. But if it... Yeah. Um, deforms the armor by more than uh, four centimeters, it is not a pass. Four centimeters yeah. is a significant amount of deformation, though, so that would still really, really suck. Yeah, like, yeah, you're going to get some, you know, broken ribs or bruises or, or something from this, but yeah, you're not going to have a, a bullet wound, per se. Yeah. It's going to hurt, but not yeah. as much. Yeah. Well, but you won't, you probably won't die, which is... Yeah. You probably won't die than, from the like, gunshot. It might be the it might be the, con the compressive injury afterwards, but you might not. You uh, probably possibly, but very unlikely. As odd as it sounds, because of the uh, the distribution of the size of the armor plate. Um, yeah, generally some plates you can are ten do inches to... by twelve inches. But yeah, we can talk yeah. about trauma plates and stuff. Um, the the other thing, the next, the final, the boss level, level level four, uh, level four plates are a misnomer. Level 4 plates will start off 30 caliber M2 armor piercing rounds. So how does body armor stop armor piercing rounds? Plates, isn't it? That's a... Yeah. Well, that's the... So it, well, it's, 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 a, al it's always a one-upmanship, right? 
It is. So this is the the World War II U.S. military 30-06 uh, M2 armor-piercing round is what they test this with. And it must survive between one and six hits. It's a very large range. Well, theoretically, yeah. I could survive between one and six hits. I mean, depending on right. how far away I'm shot from and where, I, the, where the round lands. Pretty sure that means you are level four right there. Just... There you right go. You, you, yeah. You've achieved boss mode. Um, also, the, if you want to be stab proof, be a fat guy. I mean, it's a big knife that gets to my vital organs. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so question for you guys: um, You guys ever hear of dragon skin body armor? Yes. Yes. Okay. Because I'm just I remembered it. It was uh, it was able to stop an unbelievable amount of rounds. And I actually just while you guys were talking, went back and revisited it. And it's something like it, it, the testing that they did was um, uh, 30 rounds of nine mil fired from an MP5 uh, five feet away. It also stopped 40 rounds of uh, steel cord uh, 7.62 by 39, and then another 200 rounds of nine millimeter uh, full metal jacket fired from a submachine gun from five feet away. That's just one vest. That's all it stopped. Which I mean, seems a little unbelievable, but I remember impressive. seeing the video. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I'm kind of going from memory here, which I had a couple of white claws the other night. So my memory <laughs> might be a little fuzzy. <laughs> but I, I remember like hearing about it and seeing it and seeing their, their tests and it being like, holy crap, this is amazing. But then like shortly after that, like it, was all fake somehow because like if this stuff is so great where is it now right well i'm just reading here in 2020 there are no known users of the armor yeah because um, like, it's the one that looks like it's a bunch of like hexagons or whatever yeah it's like a bunch of together. round it looks like a bunch of round overlapping discs um yeah thing here that it it came to light uh back when civilian contractors were using it in iraq so think like Blackwater and all that kind of stuff yeah um, and a lot of U.S. troops were using it, although they weren't supposed to, but they were using it. The CIA, I guess they purchased a bunch. So I just remember seeing um, them testing this and being like, holy, this is this is something else. But yeah, there's there's no users now. So just interesting to see what it was able to stop at the same time that there's no users now. So that's that's kind of good. It's kind of interesting. Wait, are you telling me that somebody who sells a product was misrepresenting that product in order to sell it? That's unbelievable, isn't it? Like, seriously? <laughs> that that has never happened, especially in the history of government contracts. Yeah. <laughs> Do I detect a hint of sarcasm there? I'm laying it on pretty thick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd love to, to, to get it one and actually test it myself. I mean, Andrew and I have actually tested plates ourselves just to make in sure. In a very controlled scientific environment where we definitely didn't just tape it to a drum like at the range and shoot it see what would happen. Yeah, that I, also I, sounds I did, very scientific. Yeah. 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 Well, I said it was very scientific and controlled. Yeah. 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 But, I mean, yeah, the, the red the, flag We had Eye and Ear Pro on. What could be more controlled than that? Yeah, that sounds controlled better. to me. Yeah. The uh, the other there are other European standards for manufacture of body armor, and I'm sure there are for other places in the world. Although we have only dealt with North American and European vendors, um, yeah, the weird European labs run. can run NIJ testing, but they can't actually certify because there are no European labs that can do NIJ certification. But they can still run the test; they're just not certifying the. Um, the weird Russian one that Gavin mentions is also worth noting. If you're going to buy weird Russian body armor, I wish you the best of luck. 
I don't read Russian. I don't understand. Like, good luck. I, I would not recommend the thing unless they you use, actually they know. Weird terms where it was like a level five ghost plate or something stupid like that, if I recall. Like, just the, the I, terminology. I think it's poor translations, use. but yes, the terminology yeah. is very different and it's a, a much larger scale. And if you know about that stuff, then have at her. But I, w I would say that you can't get it tested or certified in a laboratory that I can get a report that I can read. I would not. Um, I would not yeah. have a lot of faith in that. Which I've been working a, with Yakov Smirnov doing like the uh, you know the endorsements for it. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's Soviet Russia. Armor shoots you. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Well, you not can get wrong. that here. We we don't need to go to Soviet Russia for that. Just buy some yeah. AR five hundred plates. Yeah, Oof. shots fired. Shots fired. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, I call, call a spade a spade, if you will. That's probably not PC. I'm probably not allowed to use that term anymore. But I would not recommend the the AR500. But we can talk about armor types at some point. The uh, the, the wow. testing piece is worth uh, following up on, though. Compliance versus certification. Compliance means a laboratory has done the test, but they have either not certified it or they are not a certifying laboratory. That doesn't mean that it's not necessarily good body armor. It just means it hasn't passed an NIJ certification, so it probably hasn't been at a lab in the U.S. that can issue the certification. But as long as they're a lab, they know how to follow the instructions, and they produce the report, and the report says, we did X, Y, and Z, and the instructions said, do X, Y, and Z, and you get an outcome, and it says the outcome was a pass, you should have a compliant plate, a plate that is going to meet the standards that are set out in the the two NIJ specs. Certified plates, or certified armor, doesn't have to be plate, soft armor, what have you. Um, certified means that it went to a certifying lab and passed the test. So, still good. I wouldn't say there's a lot of difference, but in any event, you want a copy of the lab report for your batch of plates. So just because the company has it doesn't necessarily mean that all of their products are compliant or certified. They could have some of either or both or neither. And again, it's a U.S. standard. So if they're a Canadian company that only sells in Canada, they may not have any standards, but there's lots of law enforcement agencies in Canada that buy plates from that particular company, who I will not name. But there is a company in Canada that does that, and they're very reputable, and they're great plates. Yeah, mostly soft armor. They're great soft armor, but they're yeah. not at all certified. Because they don't need to be, because it's the Canadian thing. Yeah. Does that thoroughly confuse the subject? But don't buy plates off of Wish. That that don't buy don't, don't, don't buy don't plates buy. off of Wish. No. Yeah. It just sounds like a no. terrible idea. Yeah. So who can who can buy plates? Do you, I'm guessing you don't have to be law enforcement to to own these. But are there exemptions? Are there rules? Who uh, who can own body armor? Or is it just a free for all? Yes and no. Basically, everyone can own body armor. The trick, as in all things with government, is understanding the legalese. Body armor is provincially regulated, so every province has their own set of rules. Some provinces, Ontario, have no rules for this particular subject. Um, other provinces, like Nova Scotia, say that you have to effectively be a peace officer of some description. There is an exemption... Um, there are other provinces, I guess, uh, I don't know, somebody else did the research in the show notes, they might want to read it, but the provinces that are worth mentioning are BC, Alberta, Manitoba, Nova Scotia, all have the stringent rules. Yeah, I can run over them BC. if you want. Sure. Uh, so for, for BC, 
you've got to be either a private investigator, armored car guard, uh, consultant, security guard, body armor salesperson uh, with or a, a valid BC security worker license, peace officer, sheriff or correctional officer or conservation officer, government employee uh, and wearing body armor is required for your job. Um, security guard registered uh, as a gaming worker under the Gaming Control Act. Uh, and interestingly enough, also, uh, you can possess body armor without a permit if you hold a valid firearms license issued under the Firearms Act of Canada. So, so. The, the reason it was explained to me in, in BC and Alberta is the fact that BC made, assuming that criminals would actually follow the laws, they, uh, their idea was they made it illegal. And then it's, since you were subject to a background check every day with a PAL, you were a vetted member of society, so they'd allow you to have body armor. And that way, the criminals couldn't access it because they, they didn't have a PAL. Oh, that, that <laughs> makes total sense. Yes, because yes. they're going to follow the rules. Because they made body armor legal for people that don't have pals. You see, <laughs> that totally uh, would stop them. Yeah, your tax dollars so, at work. Yeah. Yep. Alberta is a little bit different as far as what they uh, they allow uh, police services as well, uh, ambulance attendants, uh, gaming liquor inspectors uh, mentioned as well, security guards, investigators, uh, wildlife officers, uh, firefighters are in the list uh, for Alberta. Uh, businesses that sell or deal in body armor, uh, individuals authorized under the act, um, I guess as a kind of a catch-all. Uh, and I found interesting that they have ranchers, farmers, and uh, rodeo um, persons who are involved in sporting and such with, uh, with animals. And uh, they also have the exemption for valid firearms license holders. And then Manitoba, uh, from what I found, is again, member of a police service, a firefighter or paramedic is again mentioned for Manitoba. Uh, sheriff or deputy sheriff and correctional officers also mentioned for uh, for Manitoba, and then uh, Nova Scotia sounds pretty much similar to what the other provinces have mentioned. Police, conservation officer, special constable, or bylaw is different in the Nova Scotia exemptions. Um, sheriff, deputy sheriff is in there. Corrections, paramedic, security guard, or agent. Uh, provincial civil constable, which I'm not quite sure what that would be, uh, and an employee of the province. And don't quote me on it, but I'm reasonably certain that Nova Scotia and Manitoba have exemptions for body armor permit holders in their legislation, and I am certain that Alberta and BC have body armor permits that you can apply for if you don't meet their other criteria. I do not know yes. what the vetting processes are, and I don't really care, because we only sell body armor to people with pals, so you send me a copy of your pal, and I send you body armor. It's probably like the concealed carry license that exists in Canada. It exists, but nobody can get one. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing that's what it probably is. Possibly, or maybe it's kind of like the New Hampshire concealed carry per. You send me money, I send you permit. It'll be one or the other. It'll either be like, yeah. you can't obtain it at all, or it's literally just give the government your money and they will give you your right back. Yeah. <laughs> it's one or the other maybe both yeah yep. so anyone that wants body armor can probably buy it yeah um if you're looking at answer? buying armor in canada but from the u.s um level three you will be able to get across the border level four is an itar controlled item but has ITAR been relaxed recently? Yes, but kind I'm of, not sort of, but not exactly. sure for everything. And is any retailer in Canada obligated to check whether or not a person is legal to own body armor? No, but yes. 
Yes. So I just think I saw in some of the regulations that um, they can't sell to people who are not authorized, but I'd have okay, to double check yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, the, if you sell to somebody that's not allowed, then technically that's a crime, but who's going to know? The, yeah. the problem becomes where the person is at the time of purchase, and that is not an easy thing to prove necessarily. Yeah. Because yeah. just because you walk into my shop and buy some body armor doesn't mean you can't take it to Manitoba, and I have no control over that. So, like, yeah. look into your provincial legislature and follow the rules. Yeah. Or change your government and get a new legislature and then make new rules. In yeah. any event, the, the onus is on the owner. Um, I am not aware of anyone selling criminals body armor because most businesses have similar rules to mine where you must show me that you are not a person that is prohibited from owning armor by giving me one of these exempting pieces of ID. What's Again, the general lifespan of armor? Um, it varies, but I would say for legal purposes, as long as it's stamped on the armor, for practical purposes, ever with exemptions. Like there are uh, yeah. there are cases where ever is not applicable. Like if you drop a ceramic plate, it's probably not good anymore. I guess it depends yeah. on how you drop it and from how high and how hard it hits and like there's fact but like if you damage a yeah. ceramic plate in a significant way, it is useless. Well, yeah, it's like a, a bike helmet, right? But if you, you know, like leave it on your bump. shelf Yeah, right? That's the yeah. Once ceramic is damaged, it's damaged. But if you like leave it in the packaging on your shelf, it shouldn't go bad. Yeah, and some of the the polymer plates and things like that have a expiry date on them because after a certain time, the materials degrade ever so slightly, and you know, built-in obsolescence and all of that. They don't want to guarantee that your plate will be as effective as it was. Today, that it is like 30 years from now. So most armor is stamped for five years from the date of manufacture. Yeah. Steel plates that yeah, will, will last a lot longer and don't really have an expiry date, but they are also ridiculously heavy, which is kind of a downside to them. So, I mean, as with all things, it depends. But in general, plates don't go bad per se. Yeah. Okay. Um, subjective opinion. When would it make the most sense to wear, be in possession of, or otherwise have handy body armor? All the time. When you're a free man in a free country that does what you want? Yeah. I mean... And so how about when you're in Canada? You Well... <laughs> when you live in a, a fake and country that celebrates June, then you can have body armor when the government says so. But, I mean, yeah. from a practical perspective, if you are a person who is likely to encounter high-velocity um, small projectiles of some description, whether that's bullets or something else, uh, if you're in a situation where that is the appropriate PPE to be wearing because of your uh, method of employment or hobby, I would say that that would be a good time to do it. Uh so if you're in law enforcement and you get issued plates, you should wear your plates or, or soft armor. I, I use them interchangeably because I always think about plates because if I'm going to carry wow. heavy crap around that's going to save my life, I want the thing that's going to always save my life. 
which is yeah. the good body armor, like the good level four body armor, not the not the cheap stuff. So yeah. if you're issued it, you should use it because your employer is giving it to you for a reason. So if you're a security guard or corrections officer or law enforcement officer or military police or in the military and they're giving yeah. you plates because you're getting cool guy plates because your unit finally got the plates that they were supposed to get 10 years ago, then yeah, you should you should do that. Um, if you're not one of those things, if you're regular Joe Prepper, um, gardening, cooking, playing with your kids, driving your car, <laughs> being at the range, really any time that you want a weight vest and or feel like you may need an additional level of protection of your most vitalist yeah. of organs. Yeah. I mean, also, I mean, you know, when we start our own society, you would need to be able to furnish your own arms and armor in order to be able to vote. So it would be crucial for that. So planning ahead, preparing, yeah. if you will. Yeah. Um, from a practical perspective for firearms owners, I, I think that it is exceptionally overkill for most people to wear body armor at a range. That said, Gavin and I regularly both wear body armor at the range, not yeah. only when we're instructing. I've seen some of you we people all shoot. <laughs> so, yeah. When you want to, I think. I mean, I wear mine when I work out or when I rock march or... Just in place of a weight vest. And I would yeah. recommend if you're going to have it, you That's... learn how to do your day-to-day -day tasks with it because the day that you finally need it is probably not the day to find out all the pouches are in the wrong place and it doesn't fit you properly. That's a, that's a yeah. thing to solve now. Yeah, I, I believe there's a great quote from a friend of ours that uh, behind every blade of grass is a fat, out-of-shape, sweaty three-percenter that's fumbling with their gear for the first time. Don't be that guy. Or girl, like know how to use your stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure all your buckles are the right shape and size, and you know length and all that. Like, yeah. yeah it's so like we've been saying, saying the same thing over. <laughs> yeah. It's like we've been saying that in every single episode. Know your equipment. Know how to use it and practice. Yeah. Weird. Well, that's the thing with plates. Is it? It changes. It changes your movement dynamics. It changes your range of motion. It changes your center of gravity, it changes your balance, and it's going to mess with how you fit through things because you can't yep. bend over or lean forward or how you sit in a car is different. So if you've yep. tried to get into a car wearing a backpack, you've noticed how it doesn't work effectively. It's the same kind of problem because there's all this extra stuff. So the yep. angle of your chair is wrong and it's not the correct distance from the controls anymore and you have to... So it's a good time to go figure all of that stuff out. And even a simple thing like just shooting with it because it's going to change how you shoulder a firearm because there's yeah. a bunch of stuff between the gun and you with it normally wouldn't have been there. Or if you yeah. want to put a backpack on, it's going to mess with you because your backpack doesn't fit the same way when you're wearing your plate carrier. So yeah. And there's, it's amazing there's how much it changes everything. Yeah. There's, there's all kinds of different shapes and sizes of plates too. And there's some pluses and minuses to some of that. Like some of the guys want to run, you know, full front and back and then sides and then a groin plate and all of that. And it's like, yeah, so you're like super well up armored, but now you're going to be really heavy and slow. Yeah. You're not moving around. You're losing that range of motion. Your balance yeah. is probably going to be off. And that's the other thing is like, well, I'm already the, the plates, we already determined your bulletproof. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. You're already level four. four. So, yeah. so basically what you're saying is I'm the first guy and the rest of you are going to hide behind me. Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> I mean, somebody has got to be the yeah. first man in the stack. Yeah, yeah I guess. 
You might as well yeah. be might as well be the be the uh, be the wall. Cool. Yeah, but I mean, if you look at what uh, I mean, primarily the Americans and a lot of the other people did when they sort of went off to Afghanistan and places like that is they would send their guys, and originally they would be head to toe in all this heavy armor, and then as they realized that one, the hot desert climate sucks, and two people are going to be shooting at us. Maybe we need to be a little bit more nimble. They've started stripping down some of this armor. So now it's kind of like a front plate and a back plate and that's it. None of these side plate nonsense things. Cause you shouldn't ever have your side to the people shooting at you. Always Wouldn't your front. From Blackhawk down. Don't, don't wear your, don't wear the back plates and take water instead. I don't intend to get shot in the back. Yes, yeah. uh, it seems like a really bad idea because the whole, I guess, the whole idea with the body armor is to cover the vital organs. Yeah. So that, I mean, that tends to be like above your belly button to sort of the the notch in your in your neck. There's a. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know how to describe at the top of your breastbone. I'm I, I'm the, it's the midclavicular the, line is what that's oh, called. Oh, the supersternal super notch. Yes. Thank yes. you. Supersternal notch. I was having a hard time with the word for it. Yeah. Um, from that to your belly button is sort of where all the important stuff is, a heart, lungs, liver, etc. That don't don't have problems in that area, and you don't you know bleed internally yeah. and die or externally and die. The, yeah. the point is that would all really suck. So putting plates over that to stop uh, penetrating trauma would be a good thing. So that you get into all your various sizes. The the common sizes today are ten by twelve plates, but you also see a lot of stuff sized for SAPI. S A P I. It's an acronym. It's American. Sometimes you find surplus stuff in that. Yeah. Zappy plates are different and are sized in like a small, medium, large kind of a way. But yeah. then you have to get a carrier that's appropriate to that. So you're probably looking at like surplus American stuff. Yeah. So the, yeah if you're getting Zappy stuff, just make sure you get. Yeah. Yeah. Temple is pretty like well standard. The, the big difference cut, with swimmers cut. Yeah. Yeah. So the it's not a 10 by 12 rectangle, it's a 10 by 12 polygon with the top corners kind of clipped off so like sort of a house shape or uh yeah i don't know the, the top that half of shape? a stop sign yeah like kind that, of that shape, shape. I, yeah and yeah. then you also have curvatures to deal with um plates come in generally speaking flat single curve and multi-curve which is usually two axis although it can be three um, it just it yeah. depends on how the plate fits you and how you're built. And yeah. um, generally, the more generally, round you are, the more curvature you want. It, it's a comfort thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if, I, I, if you're I, Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse, you don't need more than just yeah. the flat plate. But if yeah. you're Patrick Swayze today, you probably want the multi curve. Yeah. Yep. Probably. It's a comfort thing. It depends on how it fits you. And then there's the whole other problem with the female anatomy because they also have extra parts where all the vital organs are. Yeah, and, and the, yeah, they don't fits really women make differently. Yeah, well, not very good. There is women's specific design soft armor where they change the shape of the armor to fit women better. Yeah, but yeah, there's a lot of extra really measurement that. and sizing you have to deal with to get that to fit properly. And it's usually yeah. a trial and error, like, does this one fit? No? Okay, yeah. does this one fit? Um, plates, not so much, although there is women's cut plates are starting to become more of a thing, but they're more just multi-curves with more curves, not unlike women. Yeah. 
I mean, there's a few other sorry, things sorry, that you ladies. can do, and yeah, put um, put some foam on the back of your plates. I mean, that's not a terrible idea because it helps absorb some of that impact. But also for women, they can kind of hollow out some of that foam, which gives them a little bit more of a recess for the parts of the anatomy that don't fit well in plates. But yeah, it depends on the thickness of your plates and the size of the carrier that you've got. And like, there's a lot of factors that go into whether you can or can't do stuff like that. And a lot of it has to do with yeah. the carriers. I mean, I think that's worth mentioning that the plate by itself is not a particularly useful thing. It is yeah. just a you, know, you can't really just duct tape it weight. to you. Yeah. Not if not I highly can't duct tape it to myself, no. I'm not interested. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not saying I'm not saying yeah. you can't. I'm just like the donning and doffing yeah. would be very problematic and like Yeah, especially if there's a lot carry, of other things yeah. going on. Yeah. I I would recommend the use of a carrier. A hoodie yeah. and a, a hoodie and a uh, uh, a hoodie and some duct tape and just go to town. Well, I mean, so th there are some interesting things that are being developed now with, with plates technology kind of getting better and thinner and lighter, which ultimately means more expensive. But if you've got the money, they now have like T-shirts with the inserts for plates and things like that, so you can have armor but still be very very low profile. talk about i guess kinds of plates because there are there are some considerations for that we've sort yeah. of touched on the weight and cost and things there's i'm gonna say there are three kinds of body armor that are worth considering at this point in time i'm, I'm sure there are others but we're not going back to like chain mail or plate mail or any of those kinds of body armors so the your your soft armors are usually kevlar or its uh, uh predecessor or Successor, it's successor. Uh, Armrid, Amrid. I'm not sure which way you say it, but it's um, a synthetic woven material that they they put into layers. Uh, the trade name everybody's familiar with is Kevlar. Kevlar is actually an old, outdated technology that's been replaced by two or three other things that are more modern. Although Kevlar is still often used because everybody knows how to make it now. Um, Kevlar is light, Kevlar is flexible, Kevlar can stop some things like handgun rounds. Um, you have ceramic plates, which are often but not always aluminum oxide. Uh, modern ceramic plates tend to be aluminum oxide hybrid something, so they'll use something to adhere the aluminum oxide to, and then make a ceramic plate, and then wrap it in something to give it some protection. There are other ways to make ceramics. The other way of making ceramic is like the same way that you make a ceramic pots or plates or things, and that has gone out of style because it's very fragile. So if you drop yeah. those type of ceramic plates, they tend to just break. Yeah, that and I it's mean not, Patrick Swayze's not here to make it on the spinny wheel anymore. So yeah, <laughs> I've got a whole Patrick Swayze, Swayze theme for body armor. It's a thing. <laughs> um, the other the other kind is. Uh, Ultramolecular high density polyethylene. I'm probably missing a word. Uh, umhpe, U U M H W P E, but it, it, it's plastic. It's just really dense plastic. Um, there's a couple of kinds that are used. Uh, they're hybrid plates again, so the it'll be sandwiches or layers of material. So it's high density polyethylene with 
usually some kind of carbide something, silicon carbide or boron carbide or some other relatively hard material carbide. And they'll sandwich it together, and sometimes you end up with things like Amrit or, or Kevlar wrapped in there or wrapped around that uh, to keep everything in shape. It just depends on on the manufacturer and the application. Thicker doesn't necessarily mean better, but it sometimes it ends up being lighter because the, the ultra-molecular high-density polyethylene is um, fairly thick. So you end up with fairly thick but lightweight plates. Um, like level three um, Milburn Mountain Defense plates are like four pounds for their lightweight version, and they're the they're a polyethylene boron carbine carbide blend. Um, it's an option. You can get down to less than that, but you're dealing with other kinds of high density polyethylene usually. Or some other, like, crazy space-age, amrid-wrapped something. So usually yeah. it's some sort of a, a synthetic material and plastic. So I guess two synthetic materials, but... Yeah, the typically, though, kind, the, the lighter, the more expensive. Typically. The, yeah. the third kind is steel plates. Um, I personally would strongly discourage steel plates. Not to say that they're not effective, but... Steel plates are very heavy, and also if you've shot steel, you'll see all the spalling in the ground in front of your steel target. If I am wearing the steel target, the, all of the spalling is in my, well, everything below my belly button, and I like the things below my belly button. And I would like them not to be full of yeah. lead and copper jacketing and all uh, pieces of steel, so... Yeah, I, I, I mean, there's also that moral artery that's in there that's really not a good thing. Well, the femoral yeah, artery yeah. is important. There's other yeah. things near the femoral artery that I like how it is as it is. It doesn't yeah. need alterations or additions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I would I would not recommend steel to someone in good conscience. Um, just as I, if you can afford steel and it's the only option, I it's probably better than nothing. But. I mean, you're gonna yeah, create a bunch then, of other problems for yourself. So yeah, you're either it, gonna so. get yeah the, the spalling splashing out into your arms and legs and chin or wherever it is, but also like if the bullet doesn't disintegrate and ricochets, you may be ricocheting around into your fire team partner. So not good. Yeah. So let's yeah, just shooters shooters generally generally cause positive reinforcement though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you'll get the ringing about noise, them, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, steel is an option, and I, I know a lot of people have bought cheap steel plates over the years, and I know there's, like, a big thing in this, the U.S. with AR500.com and whatever, but I, I I would I would caution people against trying to use steel plates as protective equipment. I'm not saying it can't work, just saying you're probably introducing a lot of other issues into your plan. Yeah. But, I mean, your, your plan already involves getting shot, so you're... You're not in a good situation yeah. to begin with. That's a good point. Yeah, and hopefully if you do go with, with steel, like they've used something better than bed liner as the anti-spall coating. Like an actual yeah. proper thing that is going to trap that shrapnel under that layer. Are there some lower it's... brands that actually do that? Uh, I... I would not look into steel 
plates. Wait, can I feel this as one? A, it depends. <laughs> yeah. I, I just really would not spend time on steel plates. It, I mean, as a yeah. training aid, sure, but I mean, just go to just go to Rogue and like yeah. buy the the weight vest thing because it's going to be cheaper in the same shape and like specifically says yeah. not for to be shot at on it. So yeah, yeah. If you're looking for just a weight, that. sure, but it, yeah, I wouldn't use it as life saving equipment. I I don't, I don't think that's a yeah. good plan. No, don't do that. So based on all those different types, though, what are the uh, we would look at for cost? Well, um, it, it depends. depends. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. A thousand dollars ish. Let's assume you're looking at hard armor plates, not soft armor. Like you're looking at three plus or four, something that's going to stop rifle runs. Do we really? T I get we. I don't know that I did a good job of explaining three plus. So while we're on the topic of three plus, three plus is a weird like ancillary certification that isn't really on the NIJ list, but is part of the NIJ test circuit that they can run. It stop. Yeah. Uh, it will stop M eight five 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 six green tip armor piercing rounds. So anything that's in that range, so it'll stop like AK rounds like 762x39, it'll stop uh, M855 green tip, it'll stop other things that are in that intermediate rifle caliber. Um, so I, I would look at a level 3 plus or a level 4 plate as what you should be yeah. aiming I mean, for with hard armor. And well, then Maybe for the, the prepper crowd that are maybe going to have not so much military assault style weapons on them, but like a hunting rifle or will encounter people that have hunting rifles. How many people have a .30-06 for going deer or moose hunting? If that's the thing you think you're going to get shot at with, have the appropriate level of protection to defend against it. If you're That's in the city, yeah, playing along if, at home. Just yeah, if you're four. in the city, three A is probably fine because all they have is illegal handguns. <laughs> yeah, if you're in, in anywhere in a rural area, you're gonna want the level four plates. So yeah, they'll be more expensive, but they will actually do the job that they need to do. So there's there's a bunch of options with plates. Let's assume you're getting plates. Let's assume you're getting hard armor. Let's assume you're getting three plus or four. The price point is not terribly different between the two. For a set of two, a front and a back plate, you're probably looking around a thousand dollars. Shipping taxes, all that depends. Um, the weight of the plate, it depends. It depends on what it may, it's made out of. It depends on if it's an in conjunction with plate or not, which we should probably talk about in conjunction with plates because that's a whole other thing. But you're probably looking at eight hundred to twelve hundred ish. And yeah. if you're looking for something very lightweight, you're adding more money on top of that because you can get down to, I think, what, what do we see? The lightest ones are like two and a half or three pounds a piece now, and they're about 1500 bucks. Yeah, I think you can even get lighter than that now. But yeah, they'd be like 2000 a piece or more for like somewhere in and around two pounds or a pound and a half. Like, So I would say in general, you're probably like averaging around five to six pounds a plate. You yeah. can get lighter and you can get heavier, but you're probably like in that neighborhood. And the thickness is variable, so you have to make sure it's going to fit in your carrier because carriers are all cut a little bit differently. And there's not 10 by 12 inches is not really a standard, even though it sounds like it should be. Yeah. So you have to make sure all your parts fit together, but you're you're in that thousand dollar ballpark. 
Um, the other thing to consider is whether or not they need to be buoyant. That's a factor. If it's high density, uh, ultra yeah. high density molecular polyethylene, whatever the correct order of those words is, if it's the plastic yeah. stuff, it's probably neutrally buoyant. If it's ceramic, yeah. it's going to be seven, eight pounds of plate and probably sink like a rock or a yeah, ceramic so pot. If your bug out plan involves going on like a fast boat, get the buoyant ones. It's a good point. Yeah. Sinks less. And I also are plate carriers. They have options for like maritime use quick release ones so that if you fall in the water, you can pull them off so that yeah. they don't drag you down. That's another thing to consider because carriers are their whole own thing. Yeah, we could have a yeah. whole other show full of the tism about carriers. Oh, we have we have that. Um, <laughs> the other thing that I mentioned that's worth uh, discussion is in conjunction with her, sometimes you'll see plates that are rated as ICW. ICW in conjunction with means that it was tested with two different things. It's usually hard and soft armor together. Sometimes it is hard armor and a tr what's called a trauma plate, although it is usually not a plate so much as a sheet of material. Um, usually Kevlar or Amrid or something similar. It's a synthetic woven blend that they put into a a sheet that sits behind the first plate. So some police agencies have this where they'll have like their regular soft armor carriers that you wear as your duty wear, and then they have a plate carrier for like an active shooter that they keep in the trunk to throw on when they have to go do bad things to bad people. But it's only a level four system when you're using both pieces. If it's one or the other, then it's not level four. If they're used together, then it was certified at that level. So if something is in conjunction with you need to get both halves of the puzzle. Um, every vendor and manufacturer is different and they have their own standards and usually you should not mix and match because they've been rated as a set so just because you get a, a level 3A in conjunction with trauma plate from company A and a level 4 hard armor plate in conjunction with from company B doesn't mean when you put them together that you get a level 4 system it might but it also might mean you get just a level 3 still and you, you have no additional yeah. level of protection so it depends the the good thing is the, the in conjunction with the second part of the system is usually cheap like the, the trauma plate or the, the 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 name escapes me it's not called flexible soft the soft armor piece um is usually very thin very light and usually inexpensive yeah. But yeah, should also probably or, not be used by alone. Yeah, standalone is easier and then be better, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I also prefer standalone plates. I run level four plates in my gear. Because yeah. my, my theory is if somebody's actually done, accidentally going to shoot me, it's probably somebody with a moose gun. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not so worried about gangbangers like sideways shooting, because I don't hang yeah. out at Jane and Finch. And I'm not I, really worried about gangbangers with handguns. But I figure, like, if somebody's going to, like, try and take shots at me, they, they probably have a hunting rifle and know what they're doing with it. Yeah, but even if you are in, you know, the inner city and getting shot at by gangbangers sideways, your level four plates will stop that. So one one solution for many problems. Well, as long as the problem is getting shot at. Yeah. That's a heck of a problem to have, too. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's not it. a problem that I want to have, but if it's a problem I'm going to have, uh, that's the thing. I'm, I want to <laughs> yeah. be ready, right? Yep. Yeah, I guess 
it's almost like it's all about prepping for things that may happen. But on a prepper podcast? Come on. Yeah. How weird. Yeah, that's strange. Uh, Is there, recommended, uh, recommended brands, guys? Like, uh, you guys carry certain yes. brands? Or? You you should visit ragnaroktactical.ca. You should use yeah. the discount code PREPPER at checkout. That code doesn't exist yet, but by the time this comes out, I'll have done the the IT ninjing that I need to do to do that. Use discount code PREPPER. You'll save yourself some money on plates of anything on the website, whatever. Um, we don't currently have any plates at the time of recording, although in the warehouse, I did get plates on Friday, but I've been away all weekend and I have not updated the website with them. And we have more plates coming in the next couple of weeks. So the, the two brands that I would recommend are brands that we have tested and carry. Uh, Milburn Mountain Defense, which is made in BC. They are very good plates. They are the ultra molecularly dense polyethylene variety of plates. They make a regular lightweight in conjunction with... They make a lot of varieties. Um, yeah. We carry their level 3 standard weight, level 3 plus, nothing special like the normal plates, but ours are in multicam because multicam is the official color yeah. of freedom. Yeah, those are the plates that I'm, I'm running in my carrier currently. Um, they're great. They're they're a little on the thick side, so make sure, your carrier, yeah, make sure your carrier has the space. And they do have like a nice sort of softish wrap around them, which will give some of that cushion to it if you ever needed to. But uh, yeah, they're, they're nice and light. They're roughly four pounds and change, I think they are. But yeah, quality plate. I like them. Yeah, they're, they're great. Yeah, uh, so they come in at 4.4 pounds a plate. 10 by 12 and an inch thick, uh, neutrally buoyant, all that good stuff, multi-cam, five-year warranty. They're a good time. Um, we're also waiting for our Nexus plates to show up. They're an overseas brand that gets certified in the U.S. They're level four. Uh, they're level four plates. They're also a 10 by 12. They're, uh, they are a double curve, so they're that multi-curve. They have the, the X and Y axis curves. They are quite comfy, but they are also... Um, Alumina, uh, alumina oxide armored plates, so they they are a little bit on the heavy side. They're they're a little over seven pounds a piece. So th those are our recommendations. That's what we're currently stocking for three plus and four. Um, if you're wearing soft armor, you probably have it for work. I don't know why a civilian person would want soft armor because I really don't see a reason to spend money on soft armor when you could just spend a few hundred dollars more and have plates that would defeat rifle rounds which I would yeah. think would be the thing we would be more concerned about. If you want to buy soft great. armor, I totally hook you up. Yeah, yeah I agree. It's probably going to be the rifle rounds you're looking at. I, I would think. Um, there are some other products that I think are worthwhile to look at. Um, and Milburn Mountain Defense makes backpack inserts. Oh. It's very low profile, not tactical at all. But... I mean, it's kind of a neat concept because it's a a thin, small thing you put in a backpack and you carry around. It doesn't weigh very much, doesn't cost very much, and it's. I think theirs are rated for three A, so it'll stop anything up to forty four mag. Yeah. yeah so. so for the the you know the commuter in the city that wants something but still wants to have that sort of low profile gray man thing nice. going for them, they you've got some options where you've got something should something happen where you don't want to be walking around wearing a plate carrier all day because that's not practical and may trigger a few people. But yeah, a backpack looks like a backpack. 
nothing weird about it at all, right? But should you need it, it's there. Yeah, and it's something you're going to carry with you every day anyways, so yeah. why not? Well, unless like you've it. got one of those EDC bags and you want to yeah. have protection in case the occasion calls for it, yeah. I mean... You've got it. Yeah. Then, then you have your bag to keep your protection in case the occasion calls for it. You know, whether that's a good time later or somebody shooting up the bar. Which, whichever. You have the, the appropriate yeah. tool to protect yourself with. Yeah. I like it. I, I would look at those brands. There are other... There are certainly other brands to look at. Um... We used to have Crow Shield. If we can get more Crow Shield, that would be wonderful. They're a European brand. They are um, a little bit harder to come by in North America, but really, really well made by a quality European craftsman, but they're only uh, NIJ compliant, not certified, because they're European made. Um, if you're in the States, Grey Ghost Gear. I don't know if anybody in Grey Ghost... Yeah, anybody in Canada still has Grey Ghost Gear, but again, like quality plates. Um, Pacific Safety Products... Uh, not a brand that we deal with, but uh, is used very commonly in law enforcement. I think also made in BC. I think you're right on BC for them, yeah. Which is so, the, uh, I I think like it's weird those. that it's all made in BC where they have restrictions on who can buy them, but whatever. Yep. <laughs> Welcome to Canada. Yeah, doesn't have to make so sense. I would look yeah. at. I would look at those. Start with those couple of three brands, and then. If one of them does not stock the product that you're looking for, please let me know, and I will see if I can have it made or get it for you. We we sell a not inconsequential amount of body armor. The whole COVID thing and then the gun ban, we, we sold out, and it has been a bear to try and get stuff back in stock, and we're just finally starting to get stuff again. Yeah. Hey. Does the panel have any other questions? I've never... I didn't know there was so much to know about body armor. That's uh, I, I'm, I'm out of question. Oh, you should hear me talk about pants. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so tune in next episode. Andrew's going to talk about pants. Tune in tomorrow to the Canadian Patriot Podcast <laughs> where we get into Andrew's pants. Oh, I mean no, that's Andrew that's a back back catalog thing. Yeah, we already that's went totally all a CPP crazy, backlog. Yeah. We had a tangent that went on for like felt like an hour talking about tactical pants by mistake one day. Sounds like this is going to be yeah. behind a paywall. Yeah. Oh, no, check out our only fans for our <laughs> on pants. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, that's those are all the questions I had, and 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 then some, because um, I might have to duck out here. My poor little pup is freaking out about uh, the fireworks that are going off in the neighborhood, and uh, well, I can't talk and have him barking at yeah. us at the same time. Fair enough. Well, make sure to put your plates on when you go for yeah. a walk. They may yes. not be fireworks. Nope. I mean, you've been to my house. There's there's nine people, and I know them all. I'm 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 probably okay. It's true. You have a very cute dog too. He's just he's just a little scared. Um, all right, guys. Fair sorry, enough. I do have to I do have to duck out and uh, and make sure that he's taken care of. But uh, I did want to give a quick shout out to uh, to Eric and Connie in the Facebook chats. Um, they're uh, I love the comments and really appreciate it. Um, I would love to stick around for the. Uh, um, for the reviews, but I, uh, I'm gonna have to take my leave, guys. Thanks very much for uh, for lots of uh, great info. We'll uh, we'll hear you again tomorrow. Thanks. Well, lots of info anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, with that, we'll move into uh, the podcast challenge then. And for uh, for this week's podcast challenge, uh, see if you can find a use for anything from a, a knife-proof vest up. And uh, if the cost is worth it, 
buy it, especially before the laws change. And for uh, upcoming events, uh, TACCOM still on hold. Uh, we're still waiting to hear if that's going to go forward or not. Um, so once we hear something, we will put that uh, put that out and let you guys know. But uh, for now, let's uh, hurry up and wait. Uh, shout out, Talon already got his out there. And uh, we'll get into uh, the email and iTunes reviews. So we got some hate mail. I'm excited. Finally. <laughs> When it's in episode 74, we've only been poking a, poking the bears for 74 episodes. We finally got uh, a review, and it's titled Pricks. Yeah, well, I think it's some Are you sure some of our email got, maybe got... Oh, yeah, maybe maybe this, is, yeah. maybe this is supposed to go to the original CPP? Yeah, no, they, they reference a specific episode that they're triggered about, so it's definitely us. Uh, say they say laughing at the death of someone isn't funny and then in brackets the uh, winter camping episode making a joke about it is something I'd expect from a child shame on you both yeah so we went back and listened to that episode um, yeah I, we stand by what uh, we said in the episode so uh, yeah thanks for the hate mail appreciate it and thanks for calling us pricks appreciate it but, uh, hey you know what finally we got some hate mail we're I'm quite excited about it. So, yeah. And then on the complete, oh, and they threw a, a one star review in. So we're at two now. One star reviews. Whoa. That hurts. Yeah. Oh, that, that, that does hurt. But at least they wrote something. So, yeah. Take it. Uh, and then on the swing side of that, we got another five star. Um, it says, I pre- uh, appreciate <laughs> if I could talk. Uh, appreciate perspective. So uh, thank you for joining forces uh, to share your prepping knowledge. Your group covers a variety of areas and the banter brings out rich content. Uh, I've gained much from listening on uh, how you think through and collaborate on each discussion. I look forward to gleaning much from your experiences. So we go from being pricks to um, having some good perspectives. So quite the swing. And uh, we got a five star. So it balances out the, uh, the one star. You can be both. Speaking yeah. of your experience, you can definitely be both. Yeah. <laughs> one man's uh, trash is another treasure, right? It's, yeah. yeah. One man's point of view triggers another. Yeah. So, hey, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I've got some emails here. So, I've uh, got one that says, uh, hey there, found a reference to your podcast in a Reddit subreddit. We have officially hit the big time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm binge listening uh, on my favorite podcast player, Downcast. Uh, you have shown me that the Canadian accents are a real thing. <laughs> uh, I don't know what to say about that one. Just, yeah, uh, what are you boot, talking boot, about? Boot, boot in a boot, eh? Take yeah. off. <laughs> Hoser. <laughs> uh, so uh, they, they slam me in a little bit and say, uh, sometimes Ian talks too fast, uh, like, a, like a Yankee does. Hmm, okay. Yeah. Uh, but geographically, Canadians are kind of uber Yankees, so that makes sense. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, who does your intro outro music? I like it. It reminds me of the TV show Justified. Uh, so we actually had uh, Samuel Joseph. He's out of Toronto. He was a music student at, uh, I believe it was York, who, uh, who did the intro music for us. So to answer that. Uh, your first format, or your, your format is wonderful, uh, especially like the section where y'all each say what you have personally done to address prepping needs for your household. Uh, most show will have at best a pro form of reference to rotate your stock. 
y'all remind us uh, all to focus, get off our butts and do something. So I'm picking up on the American accent there with the y'all. Uh, what else we have? So uh, you do still occasionally have audio glitches, but I heard your explanation. I can live with it because your content is worth it. And yeah, it's true. We do still have the odd audio glitch, but uh, we try to work on it the best we can. Uh, we're certainly not professionals in the audio world, so we do what we can yeah. with it. And we're kind uh, of limited with Canadian terrible internet. Yeah, yeah, the, the internet is, uh, yeah, the smoke signals don't always uh, go all that well right across the country, so we try. Uh, you've reminded me to how great uh, cast iron cooking is, and I'll purchase some pieces. Uh, do you have mandatory uh, parallel podcast in French? I thought that was law. <laughs> no. Oui, mais non. Je suis en francophone. Je ne sais quoi. Je ne peux pas parler français. Le proper yeah. podcast. Uh, yeah. No. No French, uh, no French episode. It's not required by law here. Uh, nor do we live in igloos. And yes, we have running water. Uh, he asks if uh, Justin is really Castro's love child. Well, certainly looks like him. Yeah. yeah. To be determined. Yeah. I'd like to see a DNA test. Yeah. Uh, prepper since the 70s, Eagle Scout, current law enforcement with over 40 years service, uh, ex-SWAT sniper sergeant taught by uh, Carlos uh, Hathcook, uh, rifle team in high school, 20-year rifle team in high school. Wow, that'd be fun. Uh, yeah. 20-plus year on police competition shooting team, camping, backpacking, canoeing, kayaking. Stay safe and carry on your good work, uh, Sergeant Mack. That's in the Tidewater, USA. So appreciate the email. Thanks for writing in. Um, sounds more like you're the one with the accent versus us. Yeah. <laughs> Who says y'all? Yeah. Definitely American. Definitely yeah. accent. <laughs> uh, and we've got another email here from Doran. It says, hey, first off, I want to thank you guys for putting on a great show. I look forward to it every weekend. Uh, my favorite part is where you talk about all the preps you've done between episodes uh, it's made me look at my preps as uh, the week goes by, uh, thing, or as a week by week thing, and has made a big difference in how I feel about my preps and progress. Uh, you keep saying no one is emailing, so I figured I'd would. Uh, I'd love for you guys to do a show on prepping with a family, especially with young kids. Uh, my first is three, and we're expecting our second. So, congratulations! And congrats! That's exciting, and uh, we will definitely look into doing something. Uh, uh, an episode that covers off uh, prepping with some uh, young kids because it's a great idea. Lots of people out there uh, trying to put some plans together. and So, yeah, we'll get some ideas flowing. Definitely do an episode there. And with that, I, uh, that's all the emails. And uh, we actually got some emails this week, so I'm quite happy with that. And uh, with that, I will bring episode number 74 of the, Pre uh, the Canadian Prepper podcast to an end. Uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or, of course, your favorite podcast app. Please uh, help us out, submit a review. It helps other people find us, unless, of course, it's a one star, and then it just gives me something to complain about. Uh, so we do record the shows live on Facebook and YouTube. If you want an early peek at the shows, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, a Canadian Prepper podcast, and click on the notifications tab. That will give you alerts when we're going live. And uh, Andrew, where can everybody find you? RagnarokTactical.ca. Everything else is from there. Go, go to Ragnarok Tactical. Use the discount code PREPPER at checkout. Save yourself okay. some money on, on products. Get some plates. Complete that PREPPER challenge. Absolutely. Simple. Gavin, how about yourself? Where can everybody find you? 
Uh, the best place you can find me is uh, on Instagram, urbex underscore GTA, or you can find Andrew and I on the other CPP Canadian Patriot podcast recorded on Monday nights. If you want to be more political. Yeah, that's when I'm as well. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And, uh, for myself, you can uh, reach me at rapidsrival.com. Uh, you can also email the feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. And uh, thanks, gentlemen, for joining us this evening. Some great content. And I'm sure it's going to be useful for uh, all the listeners out there. And uh, until next time, uh, be prepared, stay safe, and keep learning. Perfect. Is that the one? Oh, it was for memory, too. <laughs> <laughs>